What does a pharmacist do? Well, most people might answer that a pharmacist dispenses the medications that my doctor prescribes. Now, I work with a ton of great pharmacists, and one thing that I don't generally see is excitement about pills in a vial. And this is probably because pharmacists have been trained to do so much more. So what can you get excited about in your community? To find out, let's go beyond the scripts. Hey, welcome back to Beyond the Scripts. I'm your host, Will Tuft with Pioneer RX. Today we have a very special guest joining us from Seattle, Washington, someone who is part of an organization that has kind of transcended just community pharmacy and really become part of the fabric of that community in Seattle. It's hard to talk about healthcare in that community without mentioning Kelly Ross Pharmacy. So Ryan, thanks for joining us. Um, tell me a little bit about yourself and uh, what you do there at Kelly Ross. Uh, thanks, Will. It's uh, great to be here. Um, yeah, my name's Ryan Oftebro. I'm uh, a pharmacist and uh, CEO here at Kelly Ross Pharmacy Group. Uh, Kelly Ross has been a part of uh, the Seattle community since it started in 1925 uh, by Mr. Kelly and Mr. Ross. And uh, so I, I grew up here. My dad's a pharmacist um, and he, uh, he had Kelly Ross since I was little. He bought it in 1973. Um, so I kind of grew up here dusting shelves and <laughs> all the things that all of us with pharmacist dads did. Uh, and, uh, it wasn't necessarily something I wanted to do growing up, uh, and, uh, kind of pursued some other things and figured out a little bit later in life that, uh, maybe dad was pretty smart after all. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was going to ask about that because, um, you know, I, I was reading up on Kelly Ross and kind of the, the history there. And I didn't realize that you were second generation in that pharmacy. So, um, on the uh, history page, it kind of mentions that you joined in uh, in 2004 in a big way, but I didn't realize you had spent that much time, you know, previous to that. Previous to that, not doing pharmacy. Oh. <laughs> well, um, yeah, yeah. So I, I didn't realize you kind of grew up in in the pharmacy itself there. So, um, which location was that? Because I know Kelly Ross has a couple physical addresses there. Yeah, we've got uh, four locations now. Uh, they're all in Seattle, um, and the original pharmacy was uh, downtown in the Medical Dental Building. And at the time, in the 1920s, I mean, the Medical Dental Building was kind of like the Mayo Clinic of the Pacific Northwest. So people came from all over, um, you know, Washington, Alaska, uh, to seek care. This is just sort of where all of the all of the physicians um, practiced was in this was in this building so it's a pretty great place to have a pharmacy um, and uh, so we've uh, we've we were actually in that location um, when I joined Kelly Ross um, we moved shortly after I graduated from pharmacy school uh, about a block up the street and um, we've we've since left that location but we're we still have a presence kind of in the first hill area where a lot of the health centers are, um, and, uh, yeah, busy, busy part of town. Nice. Nice. Yeah. So, um, again, Kelly Ross, like if you, 
look at healthcare in Seattle, it's it's hard to not acknowledge the role that that's played. And you guys fill a lot of different niches in that community. So yeah. you have your community pharmacies, but you guys also do adherence packaging uh, and LTC is a major component as well, right? Yeah. Yeah. So as I mentioned, we have four different pharmacies and they're all very different in terms of what they do. Um, I, I don't do a lot of traditional retail pharmacy. We have um, one primary community pharmacy location that's inside a busy clinic, uh, not unlike what Kelly Ross started as, you know, in a, in a, in a large professional uh, medical building. Um, and so we're inside the polyclinic here on uh, First Hill. There's about 125 providers in our building. Um, and so we, we provide, you know, traditional community pharmacy services, but that's also the location of a lot of our clinical services that we'll talk about. Um, we have a compounding pharmacy. We do uh, sterile and non-sterile compounding. We have a long-term care pharmacy uh, that uh, is doing some really interesting work, um, you know, not only in kind of traditional uh, aging populations, but we work with a lot of safety net organizations in the Seattle community. Um, and have built some really uh, fantastic relationships there with various groups um, that are, you know, supporting our large uh, homeless population um, as they transition into supportive housing. Um, we have a, a large uh, organization that we partner with that's serving the HIV community, um, people living with HIV and AIDS that have other comorbidities, a lot of behavioral health issues, a lot of housing instability. Um, and that's kind of become our niche with our long-term care pharmacy. I feel like Seattle has a um, pretty interesting population. You know, it's such an interesting, eclectic place, you know. Um, grow, growing up as like a, uh, a kid in the 90s, you know, I have a special like appreciation of Seattle's culture and, and, yeah. and the music scene <laughs> that came out of Seattle that kind of shaped the you know my my whole generation I feel like kind of has a you know a soft spot uh, for Seattle even if you've never been there. <laughs> um, so yeah, it is it is interesting that that also kind of comes with its own set of social challenges as well. Uh, indeed, uh, it's um, you know it it is challenging, and we have you know just this huge. Um, <laughs> Uh, spectrum of uh, people in this community and in terms of social economic status. Uh, and, you know, we see it here in the pharmacy and where we're serving, you know, some of the most wealthy people in the world, uh, you know, and, the, and their organizations. Uh, and then we are taking care of, you know, the most absolutely vulnerable parts of our population and sometimes they're there in the pharmacy together and you know we strive to make sure that uh, everybody receives the best care uh, that we can possibly provide but it it's it's definitely challenging um you know seeing uh just this drastic increase in um our our um homeless population uh and um you know all of the all of the challenges that come along with that. It's uh, our, our city leaders have their work cut out for them. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure. And, um, you know, right now during the uh, COVID crisis, I'm sure that only compounds a lot of the challenges that you've already kind of faced. 
It's uh, it's it's cool if if you do some research. If you start googling Kelly Ross Pharmacy, you just find like article after article about awards that you guys have won and and efforts that you guys have really you know invested in your community and and you know put your uh, uh, put your best foot foot forward there. And there are so many different awards I could find on the social programs that you guys have and how you've reached out with, you know, various programs. So it's, it's pretty cool to see, you know, that, that reach to the community. Yeah. Well, thank you. It's, um, you know, it's all about our team here. Um, and just, we've, we've got the most amazing people that have chosen to come work here at Kelly Ross, got a fantastic culture. It's very mission driven. Um, you know, everybody, is here because they they believe in what we do, and you know as as a leader of the organization that's it's very fulfilling because you know I I'm not the one coming up with all of these ideas at this stage I'm you know I'm just here to support and uh, you know our team identifies a need or an opportunity um, whether that's a clinical service or a way to engage with a community partner um, and uh, you know if it's something they're passionate about then my partners and I find ways to support it. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So a couple of those um, things that you've really done to reach out in the community, I wanted to kind of touch on um, one of those that I think is a, a really interesting challenge for Kelly Ross specifically is the opioid epidemic. You know, I read that um, in 2020, there were like more people dying from overdoses than in any other year. And yeah. Seattle is is definitely kind of if you look at a heat map, there's definitely you know uh, a, a lot of a lot of action in that area and and King County and then the the counties bordering, you know. So what have what have you done to help combat that? Yeah. Uh, well, thank you for bringing that up. It's something that I'm particularly passionate about. Um, and you're talking about the a lot of the work that we've done to provide. Uh, Naloxone as uh, take-home naloxone kits uh, for anybody that wants one. Uh, the the history of that um, is very personal. Um, I lost a cousin to an opioid overdose, uh, and uh, that was in 2011. And that that's kind of what uh, got me started in this work. Um, was very fortunate to um, work with Caleb Banta Green at the University of Washington, and uh, we developed um, the first of its kind a, a collaborative drug therapy agreement uh, to provide take-home naloxone to, to anybody that was at risk of an overdose or at risk of witnessing an overdose, um, and uh, started offering these kits, and um, along with that started creating training uh, we created some training videos uh, that could be accessible and disseminated to anybody that uh, needs to have one. I started doing a lot of um, presentations with parent support groups um, and eventually um, developed a relationship with Seattle King County Public Health. Um, and that's when things have really taken off uh, because this has been a priority for uh, the county um, to address uh, the rising overdose uh, deaths. And so we've, to this point, we've, uh, we've delivered thousands of take-home naloxone kits, uh, both to individuals, to small groups, to larger organizations, 
um, and just finding ways to facilitate that, make it accessible, uh, but also to provide that training education uh, so people feel empowered uh, to um, know how to respond to an overdose because it, it can happen to anybody. And yeah. as you mentioned, um, overdoses, and it's not just <clears throat> Seattle, it's around the country, uh, but they're up uh, 30% this past year. Uh, so the the COVID pandemic really exacerbated things. Yeah, I, I think, you know, that's one of those, one of those social issues that even a couple of years ago, you know, it, it seemed like it was uh, a bit more removed. But, you know, I, I think most people have a, a firsthand experience with that someone in their family, someone they know. And even just a few years ago, I think naloxone was something that maybe was available from an EMS crew, but even the responding police officers may not have naloxone on hand. Yeah. And, you know, it, it kind of uh, goes to a lot of what we endeavor to do at Kelly Ross. Is like there, there's nothing more normal than walking into a pharmacy. And so trying to, you know, find some of these uh, opportunities uh, to take what would otherwise be, you know, a, a challenging healthcare interaction and, bring it into community pharmacy and normalize it. And whether that's, you know, around providing naloxone or HIV prevention clinics, uh, a lot of these things we just, you know, if we can remove that stigma and make it easy for people, um, you know, it it's good for pharmacy, it's good for the community, and uh, it's, uh, it's a great opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of times that's kind of that, that lifeline that, you know, if, if you can be candid about it, if you can be open, if you can open those lines of communication, you know, obviously there's other issues beyond the overdose that need to be addressed. But, you know, I, I really feel like just having that communication and, and that like access to somebody who cares uh, might be, you know, at, at least a, a positive step forward at addressing those other issues. Yeah, and and what we learned from doing with this naloxone, um, it, it was unique in that, um, you know, when we've tried to build other services, whatever they are, and any, any pharmacy owner has <laughs> gone through this, you know, it's, it's knocking on a lot of doors and getting a lot of doors slammed in your face. Um, never ran into that with naloxone. Yeah. Everybody was willing to talk about it because, you know, there's just this tremendous need. And uh, and so it was a really easy way to start new relationships with different community organizations. And that's led to a lot of other great things. Uh, but you're right. It's uh, I think just normalizing that conversation and pharmacists are, are great people to do that. Yeah, absolutely. So the naloxone program, is that effective? Um, I guess, you know, fentanyl is a, a rising concern. And now in Seattle, you guys have the additional concern of uh, car fentanyl being introduced into the community. You know, is is that still effective in those uh, in those situations as well? I don't know the right answer to that, Will. Um, I know it's, it's uh, very concerning. Um, and that, uh, you know, there, there's concern that, uh, a naloxone kit may not be able to be adequate, but, um, 
you know, I, I think that it's, it's still important to have one. It's like a fire extinguisher. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, it, just in case you, you need that there, um, in, in case of an emergency, but you're right, you know, with a lot of these super potent synthetics, it's, uh, it's a whole new, uh, element to this epidemic. Yeah. So it's definitely a, you know, an, an important cause, um, have you been able to how have you been able to fund that? Are you able to, you know, um, monetize that? Or are you able to get help from the community to allow you to provide that service? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so I mean, there you know, unfortunately, there's always the financial side to to talk there about. There is, there is, and you know, it's uh, we're we're always um, looking to create sustainable services. Um, you know, the naloxone, I think part of it was just because it was so personal. Uh, it was important to me and important to my partners. Um, you know, it was something that we chose to, to do when there, you know, wasn't really a lot of, uh, economic incentive to dispense Mm -hmm. Narcan kits and, you know, it's still a prescription drug at the end of the day. And when you're dealing with third party insurance, you know, that, that can be really challenging. And I think, you know, between low reimbursement and, you know, the, the time involved in educating somebody. Um, yeah, it's, there's, there's not a whole lot of incentive for pharmacies to do this. So it's been part of our mission. We actually created a, a um, foundation, so the Kelly Ross Foundation, uh, with the sole purpose of helping support efforts like our, our Narcan campaign. Um, and through that, we uh, created with the University of Washington uh, a training video that uh, any that we've made available to anybody, um, and uh, we've also done some short little videos on YouTube on you know how to actually administer whether it's the nasal spray, the IM injection, what have you. Um, they're just little 30 second videos that our pharmacists put together, um, and we've made those available to anybody. Uh, so just trying to lower those barriers wherever we can for others, um, and you know it's it's free. And the intent of these training videos is that anybody that watches it is considered trained and educated. So it it takes that burden off the pharmacy to provide that time with the patient to do that additional training and education. So we want other pharmacies to use it. Um, Go to stopoverdose.org. And that's the the University of Washington's uh, overdose prevention resource page. Some great, great uh, resources there, including this training video that anybody who wants to get into this can use it. It's, it's geared towards Washington state because we talk about, uh, the good Samaritan law here in Washington state, but most states have some version of that. So it it could certainly fill that role. Um, but, uh, as far as monetizing it, that wasn't something that, you know, we set out to do, um, you know, we've, we've been fortunate to find, you know, partnerships with King County, where they're subsidizing uh, a lot of these kits for organizations that, you know, aren't using third party insurance. Um, so, you know, that's where the relationship building comes in and finding yeah, absolutely. unique ways uh, to, to think about the problems like these. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's been a, a passion project <laughs> and we have found some, some creative ways to sustain it over time. Yeah. I, I, so I think in the past year or two, um, we've seen a lot of pharmacies kind of building those 
those really, really strong relationships through COVID, but that, that same kind of partnership where you, you can identify that public health need and you can answer so many questions that, you know, the state agencies have that public, you know, just the general public has. And so pharmacies can really step up and, and build those strong connections, even if, especially in the early days of, you know, the COVID vaccinations and tests, you know, it was kind of just like, yeah, the monetization's not really there yet, but it's what we need to do for the community. And that's, it, it, it was, um, you know, a dark time, obviously, uh, in history, but, uh, you know, it, there, there are some shining lights of, you know, pharmacy uh, stepping up to the challenge. So how has, uh, how has COVID affected all of the programs and, and your patient base there in Seattle? I know yesterday we just reintroduced the mask mandates here in Louisiana. Um, you know, we're kind of sliding back into that. We're seeing that more and more across the country. Um, how are things up there in the Seattle area? I, I, I think they're probably consistent with everybody else's experience. Um, you know, it's uh, seeming to be sliding backwards. Um, but, uh, you know, at, at least here in the Seattle area, um, you know, we've we've had really good uptake with vaccination rates. Um, and so, you know, I, I think we're faring a little better in that sense, but yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's still challenging. And as far as impact on all of our services, yeah. Um, you know, there was a, a period of time there in, in spring of 2020 where it, it was uh, a challenging time. And I don't recall ever being as, um, stressed out <laughs> as I was in, uh, you know, at that three month period in, in March, April, May of last year. And, um, just a lot of unknowns. Um, and you know, our community partners were all in the, the same situation. So it was, uh, uh, just kind of taking it day by day. Uh, but, uh, it's interesting now that there seems to be a lot of, um, you know, pent up demand and energy to get things moving again. And so, you know, where it felt like things were pretty stagnant for a long time, all of a sudden everything's off to the races and uh, lots of projects that are kicking off and lots of activities. So um, I think everyone's found ways to navigate things and move forward and, and uh, we're no different in that sense. Yeah, I, I feel like Kelly Ross maybe was in a unique position um, throughout the COVID pandemic to kind of fall back on some of those other tools you have in place. So like a lot of the LTC tools of, you know, mail order and, you know, shipping, shipping prescriptions, doing the unit dose packaging, were you able to kind of shift some of your efforts from retail into those channels or? Yeah, well, um, you know, a big part of what we do now um uh, particularly in our community pharmacy is uh, our clinical services. So um, I know we'll talk about how we got there, uh, I'm sure. But, you know, a lot of our, uh, like our HIV prevention clinic, um, you know, we, we had to pivot quickly um, where we had been seeing patients in the pharmacy. Uh, we have full panel of patients all day long. Um, suddenly not being able to see them in person. So having to, to quickly pivot to uh, a telehealth platform 
And I feel very fortunate that the team was already working on that <laughs> for yeah. some other applications. And so it wasn't like we had to start from scratch. So we were we were pretty far along on on having uh, what we needed to to switch to telehealth. So we were able to flip that switch pretty quickly um, and uh, and were able to sustain those services throughout uh, all of the lockdown, uh, which was pretty remarkable. Yeah, it's been um, definitely definitely a lot of adaptation everywhere. So it's you know it's it's neat to see how in different areas different pharmacies have been able to meet their the the needs of their patient base. It is interesting that um, you guys are such you know in such a populated area, such a uh, you know kind of a metro area. A lot of our pharmacies, uh, independent pharmacies, you see are you know in smaller communities, especially. So um, did you guys already have a delivery system in place or? Yeah, just um, you know, with our long-term care pharmacy, we, we already deliver all over the greater Seattle area daily. Uh, gotcha. So we've got a team of four drivers and they support our community pharmacy as well. Um, they got a lot busier. <laughs> so, <laughs> and, you know, they, they were the guys on the front line uh, that, you know, I, I'm so proud of our entire team, but our, our delivery team in particular um, were out, out there when people were not willing to leave their homes. And, you know, that, that was scary time uh, and, and still is. Um, but, uh, you know, they they uh, they really um, stepped up and made sure that everybody was taken care of. And uh, uh, I am really proud of their efforts. That's awesome. That's awesome. I know that's a uh, a familiar challenge, you know, for everybody uh, for the for the past year and a half, I guess. Yeah. So, so we were we were fortunate to have some of those pieces in place, but uh, yeah, a lot of deliveries, a lot of mail, uh, a lot of telehealth. Um, you know, walking a lot of patients through technology that they'd never used before um, in order to keep those lines of communication open. Uh, and just very being very creative and adaptable and patient uh, was the key. Yeah, those lines of communication incredibly important, and um, being able to keep those open through the pandemic. Uh, now things have opened up a little bit. If you're, you know, if you are, um, you know, uh, if you have had your immunizations, I guess you are kind of seeing more face to face interactions. Are you, are you providing immunizations now? Yeah, we. Uh we received, let's see, it was Friday, uh, New Year's Eve, and we were all kind of winding down, getting ready for <laughs> the holiday weekend when we received an email from the state said your uh, your COVID vaccine order has shipped. <laughs> oh, wow. And we, and we said our what? <laughs> <laughs> so um, we somehow wound up with uh, an entire case of Pfizer vaccine arriving uh, the Tuesday after New Year's that we didn't know was coming. <laughs> I mean, we <laughs> we'd said we said we wanted it, thinking you know we did we just didn't think we were really going to get it, and so um, we had to spin things up quickly. And so we were uh, giving giving COVID shots the next day, and uh, again that was just. Our team um, was just very nimble and very adaptive and pivoted a lot of what they were already doing to um, spin up a, a immunization clinic that looked nothing like any of our previous immunization efforts uh, and did a phenomenal job. And 
to date, we've given um, over 12,000 shots. So we were wow. pretty busy with that. Yeah. That's a, that's a huge impact. That's, that's a lot. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a lot, <laughs> but uh, of course, very rewarding. Um, you know, I've just uh, seen the way that everybody pulled together uh, and again, just very mission driven and, you know, they, they kept coming up with ideas and ways to adapt and, and we were able to implement them quickly. And, uh, you know, even that first weekend, we were running a mass vaccine clinic out of one of our locations for uh, all the area healthcare providers that uh, needed shots. So, um, and, and what was really special about that was that, you know, we, we quickly realized we we're going to need a lot of people um, that to you know, staff these, these mass vaccination clinics. And within a matter of a couple of days, I had volunteers from, you know, pharmacies all over town, including uh, Bev at Catterman's, one of her pharmacists came and, and helped uh, with the effort. And uh, that, that was one of my proudest professional moments was, uh, you know, just being able to put together this clinic quickly for healthcare providers staffed by pharmacists from all over the place, from independent, from chains, you know, uh, you name it, they, they came and they helped support this. And uh, it was really amazing and, uh, and really a, a, a special moment for me in my pharmacy career. That's so great, man. Um, love to hear Beverly Schaefer was involved. I know she's a, a kind of a legend there in the uh, independent pharmacy world. And uh, definitely a big uh, advocate for provider status in the area, which I'm sure has been something that you've been able to leverage with your clinical uh, programs there. So tell me a little bit about the clinical side, some of the things you guys are doing. I know your prep program especially is super interesting, but you guys have a lot of irons in that fire. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, again, you know, I, and you mentioned Bev, uh, and she's just been such a champion um, uh, around uh, provider status and and uh, expanding the role of pharmacists. And we we've got a lot of uh, just phenomenal people that have done a, a ton of great work over the years to get us to the point that we're at now. And uh, so um, in 2017, uh, a a law in Washington state went into effect that allows farm community pharmacists to um, uh, basically participate in as medical, you know, in, in medical billing uh, for any clinical services. Um, so it's that provider status that uh, that we we'd all been seeking. Uh, we finally had that mechanism to do it. Um, and so we jumped on it um, and uh, went through the um, you know, the, the uh, credentialing and contracting process and um, were able to contract with a number of the uh, large commercial health plans uh, in the area. And we'd already started our prep clinic um, and uh, it, was, it was kind of a, a different model uh, from what it is today. Um, and we adapted it around this opportunity with uh, um, with provider status billing. And so our prep clinic uh, is uh, unique. It's a pharmacist-driven clinic. 
Um, and it actually started uh, as a residency project. We have a community residency program and uh, our resident and one of our clinical pharmacists uh, came up with this concept of providing PrEP. And this was at a time when nobody was doing PrEP. Um, and nice. uh, they, they pitched it to us as a, as a concept for a project and sounded amazing. So we, we ran with it. And um, so it's all pharmacist driven. Everything happens in the pharmacy. Uh, so somebody interested in uh, HIV prevention, they schedule an appointment uh, and they come in and meet with the pharmacist. Uh, we do all of their labs in the pharmacy. Um, and uh, if, if uh, appropriate, they're initiated on PrEP. Uh, and all of this happens in one visit in about an hour. Uh, so we call it One Step PrEP. It's uh, one of those things that we've just been able to um, you know, find ways to remove all of the barriers uh, to patient access and make it really easy for people. And uh, it's, it's been absolutely phenomenal. And it's, it's grown to the point now um, that we're actually able to bill for our time and not worry about the reimbursement on the, the product, um, that it is fully self-sustaining and uh, we're actually building and expanding out just clinical uh, services um, at this point um, because we've, we've got a model that works. So it's, uh, it is possible. <laughs> that is so that is so cool man because that's like really the ideal scenario uh, I know so many pharmacies across the country would just you know are saying see this could work we we can take so much burden off of the healthcare system we can you know we can move that burden over here pharmacists are trained to do that we have those connections in the community you know put me in coach um but up there in Seattle, you guys have been able to really take that model. So if anybody outside of the world of pharmacy is watching this podcast, they're, you know, they may not realize that pharmacists, even though they're trained in a lot of states, a lot of areas, can't use their training to provide those services that they could provide so well. Um, and even when you have pharmacies that do, a lot of times they're offering those services and not being reimbursed for them. So... You know, it's really like the the pinnacle of that, you know, operating at the top of your license where you're performing those labs, you're you're taking those clinical results and documenting, uh, e-care planning, providing the prescriptions at a company that um, use case. And then, you know, really, it's like you said, that one-stop shop. So I guess two-part question, you know, where do you see that moving forward uh, in your community? I know there's some other areas that you can you can apply that but then you know um what what do you think the holdup is in other states that haven't granted that uh provider status yeah well um as far as other states go i i know that's i mean there have been a lot of great efforts around the country and and other states are starting to um to see some progress there and i, I know there's a handful of other states now that have similar um, similar laws on the books. So I think we've got some, some good model legislation out there now. Um, so it's just a function of staying engaged with <laughs> your legislative efforts uh, and, uh, you know, partnering with organizations that are going to support that messaging. 
Um, you know, we we had great partners in, you know, the the schools of pharmacy here in Washington State, um, and uh, you know, the Washington State Pharmacy Association really led that charge. Um, but you know, supporting those efforts, supporting your professional organizations so they can get that work done. But it's coming. It's not coming as fast as it should, but uh, we're getting there. And I think we've got some really good examples of how we can provide collaborative services to our community that, that you know, improve outcomes, uh, reduce costs. And um, as far as where we're going with this, uh, it's always a great question. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, you know, but um, there's, uh, you know, we're still putting energy into prep, but I think there's, you know, just again, working with public health, I think there's so many opportunities um, where we can do things that are collaborative, you know, that uh, are going to uh, engender the support of the healthcare community. So uh, hepatitis C is kind of our next big effort. Um, and, you know, I'm still very much interested in uh, overdose prevention efforts. So um, with, with some of the populations that we work with, all of these things are sort of coalescing. And so we're trying to figure out, okay, how can we take what we do and take it out further into the community? Um, so we're working with, uh, again, I mentioned, you know, some of the local organizations here that are providing supportive housing um, as they transition people from homelessness uh, into supportive housing that have some form of integrated health care, taking our pharmacists and you know, embedding their services within these organizations um, to to kind of expand our reach and uh, expand the offerings that we're providing in the pharmacy, taking it to the point of need. Uh, so that's, that's kind of my vision for where where some of this is headed. Um, but uh, yeah, it's uh, uh, I, I think there's plenty of opportunities out there, um, but you have to be willing to look in non-traditional places to find them, I think. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think you're I think you're right on there where, you know, when you when you look at a lot of these problems, they do kind of compound on each other sometimes. And and being there in the community, treating those, you know, those root causes, those social determinants that are, you know, you know are going to lead to uh, other challenges is is really the key. Um, and I think like you said too, once you you know when, once you have other states who are looking at legislation, having those successful use cases, you know, saying Kelly Ross can do it, here's the difference it made in their community, you know. So are you able to work with any of your, you know, um, local governing bodies and, and show them the fruits of your, uh, of your efforts and kind of say, you know, here's – Here's where the rubber meets the road, and 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 here are some statistics on how we've made that positive change. Yeah, it's all about the data at the end of the day, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> yeah, and uh, we've we've done that. Uh, you know, we we've uh, done that both with our um, you know some of our uh, naloxone efforts, and again, that that's where some of those partnerships really come in. Uh, come into play um, because public health really has an interest in, in these issues and they, <laughs> you know, they often have the resources to do that. Um, we work very closely with 
the University of Washington School of Pharmacy. Um, you know, we're, uh, uh, we're all, <laughs> my partners and I are all alums. Uh, we ha- have a lot of UW pharmacists here. Um, and uh, we're preceptors, um, so we do, you know, do a lot of training. So having that close organization with uh, School of Pharmacy, um, I think, has has helped with some of those efforts. Um, but you're right; you, you've got to you've got to be able to prove that what you're doing really does make an make an impact. Um, and uh, finding ways to to track that and present it is key. Another thing that you've done outside of the prep program uh, is really just focusing on medication coaching. So again, taking that, um, you know, beyond medication, but really understanding and lifestyle changes. Um, So how have you kind of seen that work out in your community? Yeah, well, I mean, I I think that's something that all pharmacists uh, are endeavoring to do in in one form or another. And, um, and again, we we just we, we try and find novel ways to do that. And um, w- one program that I think is uh, um, really remarkable has come through a relationship with our um, area agency on aging, uh, Seattle Aging and Disabilities. Um, and this has been a relationship we've, you know, we've been developing I think since I was in pharmacy school. And it started with uh, a case manager calling up and asking me if we could do medisets and I'm like, yeah, we do medisets. And, um, like, Oh, could you do them in this situation? I'm like, yeah, we could do that. And we'll, we'll deliver it. And, you know, it, it started as simple enough. Um, but it's grown, uh, and evolved into something completely different, um, where it has nothing to, we actually don't dispense any medications, uh, for clients that we're partnered with through aging and disabilities. But, but um, We've we've contracted uh, with uh, King County um, to provide uh, what's called the Senior Drug Education Program, and so um, pre-COVID, <laughs> uh, a pharmacist would actually go out to um, uh, a uh, should be assigned buildings um, that were operated by this group, um, and it might be Shag is one of them. Um, but there's you know. Every community has something like this, sure. uh, but uh, they're, you know, we're able to contract to cover the pharmacist's time to go out and provide uh, group coaching uh, around medication-related issues, uh, fall prevention, uh, you name it, all of those topics that pharmacists are experts at, uh, and uh, provide classes as well as one-on-one coaching, medication reviews. Um, uh, and doing all these offsite uh, at these uh, different buildings has been uh, very well received, um, and we know it's making an impact. Um, and we've been able to to figure out a way to sustain that over time. That was another one that we had to pivot during the pandemic and and figure out how to do all of this stuff uh, remotely. And again, that that's where that you know helping educate seniors on how to use some of this technology was was challenging but sure. uh, you know finding ways to to make that happen um so yeah that's uh uh you know i think that's I, one example of, of of you know how we've been able to um, take that traditional medication coaching concept take it into the patient's home um, where they're most comfortable to receive that information 
and you, you learn a lot more as a provider uh, when you can meet somebody on their terms. Uh, and, uh, and I think you can have a bigger impact when you can see how they live. They're more comfortable um, talking to you about their medication challenges. And, and at the end of the day, you can have a better interaction. Oh, yeah. Just having, you know, having somebody there where that person is at every day, you may pick up on, you know, so many pieces of information, so many pieces of the puzzle that you just couldn't have seen otherwise. You know, um, I, I I love there's uh, one, one of the early podcasts we had Joe Williams who talked about, uh, you know, the difficulty in just getting uh, in and out of their driveway because there is a, a limb that needed to be cut down. So, you know, this is a, a small community adaptation, but he showed up with a chainsaw, <laughs> you know, and took that limb down for him. But, you know, those are the kind of things that you, you really can't see. Is, is there like a, you know, medication storage issue? Is there a slip or a step or, you know, all of those things are just hard, hard to really understand if you're not there where they're at. Yep, exactly. So in uh, 2022, 2021, we see things hopefully returning to normal a little bit with the rise of uh, people who have been fully uh, immunized. <laughs> immunized. Uh, where do you see um, Kelly Ross going? What 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 have you been dying to do that um, you know has had to be backburnered or what opportunities? What's what's next up once the uh, you you have the green light? Ah. Uh been dying to take some time off. No, <laughs> 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 um, yeah, a great question. Um, I, it, 2022 is uh, already looking like it's going to be pretty busy. And you know, I mentioned a lot of that uh, pent up energy <laughs> in the community. Um, you know, I, I think a lot of the, the groups that we work with as community partners they're ready to grow. <laughs> um, and, uh, and so, you know, our goal is to grow with them. Um, so we're already looking at, uh, expanding, um, as, as I mentioned with, uh, uh, kind of help trying to embed some of these services in the community, um, and, and grow our clinical services. So we're, we're looking at a couple of opportunities right now to, um, take what our clinical pharmacists are doing and replicate that inside other organizations. Um, so that's, that's kind of our focus right now. Nice. Nice. Well, hopefully things will, uh, things will cooperate and yeah. take a vacation. I, I saw your, uh, your bio mentioned that you like to get out and enjoy the Pacific Northwest and go out and hike and everything. I love it up there. What, uh, what do I need to do next time I'm in the area? What's, What's your uh, what's your go to up there? All right, yeah. Well, um, so we uh, surrounded by a lot of water. That's kind of my go to, um, and we've got a little family cabin up on Woodby Island. Uh, so I try and get up there whenever we can with the family, and uh, it's just beautiful. Uh, there's lots of crabbing right now, uh, whale watching, all that good stuff, and it's just. Uh, it's, quiet relaxing place i enjoy that but now you can't beat the pacific northwest uh you know we've got hiking skiing um you know all, all the things so just try and enjoy that whenever i can yeah any chance any chance i have to make it up there i'm always always just like yes let's 
uh, so amazing up there. All right. Well, hopefully uh, you'll be able to carve out some time for that here uh, in the in the upcoming months. I'm going to let you get back to it in, uh, in Kelly Ross Pharmacy today. But thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, Will. It's my pleasure. All right. We'll have you on soon again, hopefully. Okay. Thanks a lot. Thank you for listening to this episode of Beyond the Scripts, presented by the Catalyst Pharmacy Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please support our channel by liking, subscribing, and clicking the notification bell so that you'll be notified anytime we post new content. To stay up to date with all of the latest independent pharmacy news and content, follow Pioneer RX on your preferred social media platform.